and many world championships and many Olympic goals does Paul O'Donnell need to win to be the greatest sports person of all time in Ireland is there a number can we pick a number because he's going to do it OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar it was so unexpected. You had to be there. Covering Celtic at that time was a brilliant thing. The atmosphere at Parkhead was always great. You had to be there. Nobody ever talks about this game. Nobody saw it. Uh, you had to be there. Alright, it is the latest episode of You Had To Be There. It's the slot where we ask people for their favourite individual performances, ones that were so good it reminded you about why you fell in love with sport in the first place. We've done some brilliant ones in the past and we're delighted to say it's our first opportunity to do some GAA. Potty Mara's with us this morning. Potty, how are you getting on? Good lads yourselves? Yeah, good. This is always difficult uh, when you're asked to make a list of five things that you've witnessed personally. You're like, actually, I've seen some good stuff. So how did you narrow it down? What did you go about? How did you pick your best and favourite? Oh God, Jared! I actually found it very hard because when when I was asked to start, I was like, "Geez, yeah, that'd be easy enough. You'd be able to pick out a couple of performances." That, but then as you went through it, then you'd be like, "Gene, what about this one?" You know, it was different years. I picked other ones. I was like, "Oh God!" And then I could have picked five temporary ones then. And then I was like, "I better put in a few, one or two from different teams as well." So, um, yeah, it was harder than I thought it'd be now. Uh, we should start with Lar against Kilkenny in the 2010 final because um, I don't know if there's ever been a better individual performance in an Ireland final. Um, what what was the build up to that like? Do you, did you have a sense he was going to go off that day? Well, Lar had been on the panel, I suppose, about nine. I think he came on in 2001, so he'd been fair experienced at that stage. And Tip hadn't been going that well up to about 2008 or nine when Liam Sheedy came back in. So. Um, yeah, but Lars started to find form in, in 2008 and really, you know, pushed it on in 2009 when I came on the panel then. And uh, I think he was nominated for Hurler of the Year in 2009. So, um, you know, he was really in, in form and confidence and he you could just see he was really enjoying, you know, I suppose having a, a good set up, a good management team around him and he was really reaping the benefits. So, um, yeah, no, he was, he was, we got bet in the first round of the championship that year against Cork. We got hammered and... Um, just through the back door and, you know, he got the winning point in the other and quarter final against Galway and he had a good performance against Warford. So there was a performance obviously there. It's not a surprise, but Genie, what he'd done that day was 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 outrageous. Like Before we get to the game itself, who would end up marking Lar in training? Like, as a defence, when you were up against him, what were you guys thinking you needed to do to try and break even? Gosh, he's he's mad. Like, he'd, he'd really message her ahead in training and you know, he just used to be very versatile. He used to move, roam around. He could be at 10, he could be at 11, he could be at 14, 15. He nearly just try and drive you mad more than nearly concentrating on what he's doing himself. You know, that kind of way. But um, very hard to mark because, um, you know, he's so big. He's actually six foot three. Like, he's he's so tall. He's so strong, even though he might look that, you know, maybe even wider, whichever way you want to put it, but he's so strong, naturally strong. And uh, and then he obviously he's so fast, as we all seen over the years. So um, no matter what way, he could, he, could, he could come at you anyway. He could run at you. He could catch a high ball over you. He could get out in front of you. He was just so cute. And um, as the years went on, and as I said to you at the start, 
when he got that, he got more confidence and he started enjoying it a bit more, I think he really shone his performances. There's a kind of sweet spot here. It's funny, he's actually the first and second ones that you've picked. Um, we'll get to them in a minute. When you say he's messing with you in training, is it is he chatting to you as much as anything? Is it like, I'm going to skin you for speed here, like I'm, I'm faster than you? Or is it just purely giving you a challenge that you're like, I don't know where this is coming from next? No, like I suppose I'm I'm the same club as him, so I would have seen a lot with between club and, and inter county, and you know, we'll just say for instance, if I was training in a training game at, at centre back, and he knew I'd like to get on the ball and roam around and get in the ball and pick up the breaks, whatever it is, and uh, he'd nearly concentrate on me and train. Then he'd try and put me off. He'd say to the younger lads around me in the forward line with him, he'd say, "Look, lads, you know what he wants to do? You know, take him to another part of the pitch that he doesn't want to be, and all that kind of thing." So. He was very cute like that, you know, and I suppose he was kind of ahead of his time in his thinking as a forward, as you see now. This was 10 years ago, like, so, you know, he'd bring you out of your comfort zone. So if he, he'd say, I'd go and send a forward on, on part there for a while and he'd bring me out the field or he'd bring me into the corner, you know, completely out of where I want to be playing, you know, that kind of way. So um, he just used to kind of mess your head like that, but... In fairness, he'd do it in a way too that it'd actually try and make me think, you know, if that position player was going to do it to me in a, in a game, what 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 way I'd face it, you know. So um, that's just the way he was. He, he was a great character. Like hey, Maybe this is wrong, but I definitely get the sense that the forwards would have spent a lot of time working with Damon O'Shea around that time and that he was the one who was helping them to create the space. And kind of, Lar is almost, uh, you know, if, if Damon O'Shea was to create in a lab the perfect hurler for him, uh, maybe Lara would be the perfect one because he can do anything that you want him to do and he has the skill set and the range of skills that if there's no space he's going to be able to use his speed to create it but actually he still has that size that you need to put somebody who's physically strong on him as well. Yeah, exactly. Like Eamon O'Shea came in in, in 08 with Liam Sheedy and you were talking there, he really transformed forward play in Tipperary and I think he actually kind of transformed it in, in, in the country as well and you know, I think Lara was the forefront of that. You know, he really bought into what Eamon wanted, as in movement, you know, five or seven different positions, you know, runs off the ball, different things like that. Like, and, you know, I picked 2010 here as the first one with Lara, but even 2009 final against Kenny when they beat us, um, I remember Eamon actually got Lara to play the first half centre forward, which was out of the blue for everyone, kind of. But he knew he could get into space, he could pick up breaks. And I think Larry had about three points in the first half and he was really, really in form. Like, I think it caught Kenny by surprise as well. So um, look, that was just the versatility he had and the buy-in he had to what Eamon wanted in the team and especially in the forward line. What, what else was there from Eamon O'Shea so, like, uh, with regards to that forward play? Like, Larry was obviously the most important part of it, but I hadn't realised that the level of innovation that he brought to, to forwards. Yeah, you know what? Um, I suppose when you want to... I would be the best person to speak about that because he would have, he would have talked to the forwards a lot individually and as a group as a forward. Like, but even though even over the years they're like he was just it was all about movement with Eamon and, and you know find yourself into good positions and you know there was no such thing as you had to be in a certain position at some at a different time the way it used to be 15, 20 years ago. He really wanted movement like and. You could even see that from the first goal Larry got in the 2010 final. I think he was he was one on one inside, and there was no one inside from about 40 yards. You know, just the way the lads found themselves in positions. You know, so um, he just really kind of wanted the players to express themselves and be open minded and play that bit of freedom in the forward line. That I suppose play what you see in front of you. You don't have to be nailed in the corner forward or wing forward or centre forward. You know that kind of way. So 
and he had different ideas then as well. Like as I said, you there he put Larry centre forward the first half in the semi in the final in two thousand and nine. I remember he played Noel McGrath centre forward in two thousand and ten against Brick Walsh because they knew Brick was going to sit. And he just knew the way Noel could play the game, that he'd Noel nearly playing out midfield and we were just picking off Noel passes. And I think Noel scored about six points. So he just had these ideas and that's a lot of this movement and freedom in the forward line that helped him really express themselves, especially the kind of forwards we had at the time. Well, it must have been very difficult to defend against uh, week in, week out in training. Generally, you're like, oh, Jesus, where is this coming from now? Yeah, exactly. Like, I've often been asked that question. Like, you know, you could be faced... You could be full forward, you could be full back uh, one week, you mark it on Kelly, you might mark on Larry Corbett the following week. You could be out centre back, you mark it on McGrath, or you could mark, you know, John O'Brien. It was just endless, like, and, you know, as we as the years went on, you'd Jamie Callan, obviously, you'd, you'd bubble. So, you know, no matter what day of training, you were getting a different challenge. And I probably, I always said that it probably actually stood towards his backs because we weren't going to face much better outside of our own training ground. The 2010 All-Ireland Final then, obviously, um, it's a, a, a history match where, like, literally the the greatness of the Kilkenny team being as good as the uh, Kerry footballers, they can be the greatest team of all time in GA up to that point. Uh, did that factor into any of your thinking? Were you aware of that in the build-up? Because, like, it was the most hyped hurling match that I can remember. Yeah, you know, I suppose there was, there was a lot of talk at the time. Um, and then you throw in that we played each other in the 2009 final as well. And Kilkenny going for five in a row. And then with the injuries they had leading into the game with Henry Sheff and, and John Tennyson, the walking with the cruciates. So there was a fair big build-up. And but in fairness, was there any more on Kilkenny's side? It was fairly quite our side of things in Tipperary. Like, as I said, our training sessions leading into the final like they were very quiet there wasn't many at them we had the official open night like every team would do before Ireland but other than that it was and it wasn't as if we closed doors or anything it was just we had a couple of people trickling in but there was nothing you wouldn't take any notice of it like you know so you can about your business so um, but yeah I suppose the whole occasion the build up to it as you spoke about there they're going for five in a row um, and then that's why I kind of trained Larry's performance as number one as well here because you know, to have that performance in a final that was so built up and there was so much on the line and then from to do that and make history like so um yeah that was probably one of the reasons why why it was such a good performance what's your own memory of the game and how it kind of ebbs and flows because uh, although Shefflin goes off it didn't really feel like it was going to be a significant impact on whether or not it kind of that doesn't make any sense either because he's obviously Henry Shefflin but um it you know you still felt like this was nip and tuck really until until Lark Corbett scores the goals yeah, you know, and like Henry Sheff went off after I don't know how little time it was early, you know, to half through the first half really enough anyway. And um but like Kilkenny were, were going for five all Ireland's in a row, like they had such a good like I've said it before that you take Henry Sheffin out, you have Owen Larkin, you have you have um Owen Larkin, Richie Power, Richie Hogan, TJ Reed, Eddie Brennan, Aidan Fogarty, and that's only having them few there. You could have Michael Fenley playing forwards for a bit as well. Um, you know, you Colin Finley, you had so many players there that they had to pick from, like, you know, so no matter what, as it, it was kind of like what we spoke, spoke about there with tip training sessions with the forwards, we were marking that no matter who came on you in, in playing Kenny, you were getting a different challenge and you knew what you were expecting. They were all working very hard. They all fought for the team and they're all brilliant to hurl. So, um, yeah, I know Henry Sheffield went off early enough. 
and uh, but even I don't I don't even think Kenny lads use that as an excuse throughout the years. I think they said that Tip are very better team, but yeah, no matter what Kenny Ford or Market, they bring a different challenge. Like and yeah, it was nipping talk until Larry got, kind of got that goal. It was nipping talk until the second half, really, until he, until he got the second goal. I think it was so. Um, yeah, no, it was um, an, an outstanding performance, to be fair, and really stood out. A hat-trick in an all Ireland final, obviously, it's like, yeah, that can't really be bettered. And then in the Munster final in 2011, which is next on your list, there's another Lark Corbett masterclass, uh, Tipperary 7-19, Waterford 19 points. This is Davy Fitz's Waterford team, I think, is it? Yeah, Davy Fitz was manager. Um, they won the Munster final in 2010. Um, you know, I think it was Davy's last year as well for manager, actually. And it was Pebble on the old park, Kiev. And um, I think we, we we changed our management. Declan Ryan had come in, Liam Sheedy left after the 2010 final. So um, we knew management. But um, yeah, we got back to the Munster final in Cork. And um, it would only been a lot of our second Munster final playing. So it was still a big, massive occasion for us. And yeah, look, I think Walford played an inexperienced fullback that day where they started him in there. Um, Jerome Maher, I think his name was. And of course, as Larry done, Larry he he sniffed. He knew what was in experience in there, and he made his win there. And yeah, four four kind of explains itself really in a monster final. And it was just, you know, we won we won handily enough in the end. But you could just it was just one of them games, and it was like a lot of my, you know, my top five performance I picked for you there. The reason I picked them was because you you were, you were leaving the game, you're going wow. I just thought that was unbelievable. Like even if I was playing or watching, you know that kind of way. So. That day in 2011 was one of the days we, even though I was playing, I kind of left going, Jesus, what is Larry after doing there? 4 4. Like. Yeah, 4 4. It's like kind of an under 10s game, but it's an, a, a Munster final against the reigning Munster champions. Like, what, what was, yeah. what, what, ha, have you seen in, in modern hurling somebody on as rich a vein of form as Larry Corbett in late 2010, early 2011? Well, it was probably different performance, if that makes like Obviously, Tony Kelly, like I, I could have picked Tony Kelly and these as well, but. I probably wouldn't have seen him live. Do you know that kind of way? Um, you know, to be on television or whatever. But like Tony Kelly has given some outrageous performances in the last few years and he's been racking up 14, 15, 16 points. Now, I know he was hitting freeze as well and he's been getting 8, 9, 10 points from play. Um, but like as regards goals and goal scoring form and being so consistent, you know, it takes a lot to top what Larry has done and Jamie Cannon has given a couple of performances over the years where he's got a few goals um, you know Groat Hegarty you know Shamie Flanagan a few Limerick lads have got high came out games with a lot of points scored we'll say but yeah as regards goal scoring I don't think anyone has been in such a richer game of form as Larry was in 2009-10-11 I know it was very difficult to include somebody from Kilkenny on your list but you had to we've got Henry Sheffern in he's next against Galway in the 2012 final this is a drawn game Kilkenny 19 points Galway 2-13 from September 2012. This is the All Ireland final, the first game. What about Sheffin's performance that day was special? Yeah, um, I was at that game myself. My brother was playing. Rowan was playing the minor All Ireland beforehand. So, um, yeah, Galway were in control that day. From what I remember, they were up four or five at half time, and you couldn't like Kilkenny weren't firing at all. And like to me, this performance. The reason I picked this performance was that day. I think Henry Sheffin finished up at Hurler Deer that year. Um, and he was coming to the back end of his career, like to be fair. Um, but that day, the performance in the second half from him, they moved him out centre forward, I think. And he really just grabbed the, ne- the game by the scruff of the neck. When Kenny weren't firing, they brought on a couple of lads trying to get the thing going. 
it wasn't going their way if, you know, Joe Cannon got the goal in the first half. But he really just picked him up. It was like he just picked the team up by the scruff of the neck and said, right, lads, come on. I'll bring you to the either win this game or bring us to a replay, whatever it was. And he was just unreal. He just came out centre forward, one puck outs, one hard ball, worked his arse off. You know, I think he only got, I have marked down here, I think he only got a pint from play. He scored 12 pints overall in that game. But it was just his sheer leadership in that second half that I actually left that game thinking that was that was one of the first times I really seen a player show that leadership really stood out in the pitch on his own and just picked the team up by the scruff of the neck and as he, as, as, as the game finished up, dragged them to a replay and they won the replay. Um, you know, but that really just, to me, emphasised, I suppose, Henry Sheffield's leadership, you know, I suppose his influence in a game and his influence in a team and a squad. So that's the reason I picked that one. That was the reason I left Crow Park that day thinking that was unbelievable second half performance for Henry Sheffield and, you know, coming to, he's been there since 99 and it's 2012 and to produce that performance at that stage of his career, I just thought it was outstanding. And when you you talked about the quality of team he was in earlier, but for them to underperform almost collectively while he was capable of doing that and making sure that they didn't go out of the championship that day, I think, like, I think anybody who was there will remember that forever because that's kind of a signature performance from Henry. There were other great performances from Henry where he would score 2-8 and he'd destroy a team and like that he'd pick on the weakest link of the opposition. But that day it was like everything was failing against an opposition who I think had already beaten them in the championship that year and who were on the verge maybe of becoming a great team and they just said, oh, no, 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 it's not going to happen. And it's set all the way back years, I think, losing that one. Um, did they, yeah. Did they go on and have... Is that when the management team ends up splitting from the players afterwards so like you know it sets in motion this kind of it's one person saying not today and it's also the greatest hurler of all time doing that you're like well that's pretty impressive so fair enough I think that's definitely worthy of a place on the list yeah you know I said there it was just, it was just one of the moments I left Crow Park and I was going geez, that was a that was an unbelievable performance to bring your team back from the dead like you know nearly single handedly you know and um yeah, that's why it stood out in my mind. Um, as I said, I don't, I don't even think he got man of the match that day. I think, I think one of the Galway was it Irla Tanyan or someone got man of the match for Galway in middle of the field that day. Like, so like it just goes to show it. But like for me as a player at the time and looking back even now, when I was thinking back the other day about my what performance I pick, he just for some reason that just keeps standing out in my mind. And I think he te- his teammates and Kenny people would, would would understand why I'm picking that performance. Seamus Callanan in 2015 against Galway, uh, poor Galway, second time in a row we've picked on them today. But this is the semi-final against Galway in 2015. They won this What about Callanan? Is this the 3-9 defeat? Is that the, that day, is it? Yeah, it was, uh, he scored 3-9, 3-4 from play. That's not bad. <laughs> no, that was... That was just, yeah, even I was playing myself centre-back and I was just, even you could, when it was happening in front of your eyes, you were just like, is he? Is that actually him again? You know, that kind of way. Is he actually getting another score, another score, another score? He was just on, fi- on fire. Um, like, that, we were speaking about Larry there earlier on about, you know, when Aim Shea came in, that Larry really, his career, his performance really changed in a few years. Like, likewise, the Shami Calendar, especially from 2014 on, you know, he re and when Eamon was manager 2014 15, that he really his game just changed. It went up a couple of notches, like, you know, and this game kind of really, really was the, was the explosion of that for all the world. Um, 
yeah, we probably didn't hurl as best as we could have that day. Um, but the game was a cracking game, really close. It was the start of a trilogy semi-finals three years in a row where we were separated between Tip and Galway by a pint either way. They won in 15 by a pint. We won in 16 by a pint. And they won in 17 by a pint. But that performance, you know, in 2015, you know, personally for Shamey, it was just unbelievable. Like, you know, even we last by a pint, you leave and you go, Genie, Jesus, like, what is after? That was unbelievable. Like, you know, three, four from play, five frees. I think Parik Mannion started on a full back. They had to move him out. They put Dahi Burke in on full back. You know, and they're not, I know they, they were unbelievable players and are still unbelievable players for Galway. And he was just making ribbons of everyone that came near him, like, you know, so it was just unbelievable. Three, four from playing Iron semi final to be on the losing side, like, you know, it was just, the, I remember seeing him after the match that day and we were all devastated, but he was just heartbroken because you'd think that gets you over the line on any given day, but unfortunately, it didn't. He's a very different type of hurler to Lara Corbett, but I guess. Physically, I presume anyway, they're, they're they're fairly similar. So, which of the two was harder to mark in training, Corbett or Callanan? Yeah, the, geez, that was that's it. Hard. They're kind of two different players to mark. Larry's kind of a more a roamer, a freestyle. Where I suppose Shane really nailed down his spot as full forward from 2014 on, and never really moved too far from there. Um, you know, both probably the same height. Um, both probably the same strength and I'd love to watch the race between the two of them see who'd win it because over 100 metres because two of them are like lightning um, you know but yeah very hard to mark I suppose Larry's probably a bit better in the air than Shamey was but Shamey improved that as the years went on I actually think that day in the 3-4 from play I think he actually caught two balls out of the sky to score him so that's after defeating my reason there who was better in the air but uh, <laughs> But in general, no, Larry probably had the edge in the air. But yeah, Shamey was just, you know, I often marked him over the years in training and I was full back, he was full forward. He's so quick off the mark, five, six yards, burst left or right, like he's gone. And he used to like to play a lot from behind. He liked to come in behind you and make a run behind you. You know, play the, play the defender from behind. So it's very hard to see what way he was going to go. Um, whereas Larry might make a move out in front of you. So, but yeah, um, you know, very difficult to mark. I would have marked him a few years over in club games as well. But, um, geez, yeah, that day he was just unstoppable. Like, and there was a, there was another performance in 2016, the finals. Kilkenny, he scored 13 points and nine from play. I could have very easily put that in, but I said, if I will, they'll all be given out that pick just tip ones. <laughs> Uh, I, that fi- that semi-final, right? Uh, as you say, it's the, the trilogy of years. Galway didn't really do themselves justice in the final against Kilkenny. The following year, as you point out, you actually annihilate Kilkenny in the, in the final, and that's Michael Ryan's first year. So this is Eamon O'Shea's last game as manager. I was always really disappointed that we didn't get to see that final that year because it felt like yourselves and Kilkenny were the best teams in the country. You can't say that after you lose a semi-final. I suppose it's not fair, but of all the defeats that stick out, does that one still? Rankled the most? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of an itch, all right. Um, we'll say, I think Tip had this succession plan in place that it was going to be Eamon's last year anyway, and Mick Ryan was going to take over. It was one of the first times he's done it, but like, Eamon was such a big part of all our careers, that group, you know, he he, he got us going in 2009. Um, you know, he came back in 2013 to take over as manager for them few years. And like, you do anything for the man. You know, you literally die with your boots on for the man. And that was one of our 
biggest hopes, I suppose, is to try and win all Ireland for him. And especially being his last year and against Galway, he's living up in Galway, he's working in Galway. We know what it meant to him to win um, that game. So, yeah, it was devastating in that point of view. And I suppose I said to you to start, we just felt we didn't play as, 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 as good as we could have that day. I felt Galway gave it everything and that got him over the line. I just felt that we were, we left a few things, a few Habib notches of a performance behind us. And only for shame, he's outstanding individual performance. You know, we could have been further away. But um, yeah, very disappointing. As I said, we drew Kenny the year before in All Ireland, beating in the replay. So it would be nice to get back to 2015 to play him again. But just unfortunately, we weren't good enough at the time and the day. Last one here is Gerard Haggerty against Kilkenny in uh, this year's All Ireland final. Um, it's definitely one of the all time great All Ireland final performances. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was over the game. Um, you know, just like it's very easy to look back now when the final whistle is gone, that, but even we were talking about at the game afterwards that the way it finished up and the way Kilkenny fought back, and you know, as Kilkenny do, they never give up, they're always hanging in there. Didn't play that well, but like if you take Road Hegarty's performance out of that game, we don't know what way it would have went in the finish. Um, you know, so he really dictated that day, you know, throughout the game. You know, he scored one five, but he was winning puck outs, you know, he was getting on breaking ball, he was there was no one like they moved Paddy Deegan onto him, they switched more lads onto him. They just wanted him to get a grip of him. And he was just it was just one of them days that I know myself as a player and he'd probably say the same thing, Grode. He was just playing. It was just freedom. He was just, the ball was following him around the field. It was just one of them days that everything was working out for you. And it was one of the best performances I've ever seen live anyway, without a doubt. It's just, you know, if, if as I said to you, if you take his performance out that day, that day, Kilkenny could have got snuck a victory, like, you know, but he just kept Limerick going, kept Limerick going. Even when Kilkenny started coming back into the second half, he got on outrageous scores from off out the field. He was winning freeze. He was winning puck outs. You know, he was getting the freeze that he was getting through and he was getting advantage and just taking the freeze. So to me, it was just, we were saying at the time, we were laughing, we were saying, geez, why don't you just put someone on him and man mark him and skip to follow him everywhere to go? But they tried it and it just didn't work. Like, And in fairness, they brought on the big tall um, fella, David Blanchfield, wing back. I think he got a point and he caught a ball over to Road Hegarty as well in the second half near the end. But Road answered back, I think, with a long range point or something to get him over the line. Or, like, you know, that was just, it was just outrageous performance. And it was one of the best I've ever seen live in, in the flesh, anyway. No, it was absolute genius for sure. Uh, one last thing, you're, you're um, involved with Liam Callum. So it must be pretty exciting because you know intimately how good the group of players are at the moment. And also, we're just talking about Road Hegarty there. So you know what the challenge is like. How are you enjoying that? Yeah, sure. Obviously, geez, it's very easy days yet. Like, tis, they're all everyone's bang, smack bang in the middle of the club championship. So, um, yeah, it's just quite enough in our part at the moment. But I'm just delighted to be asked to, to be involved again. Um, I suppose, you know, I'm only gone over. You could say a season. So, not everybody gets the opportunity to come back in as soon. And you know, I really missed it being involved with 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 a, with a group and missed it. I suppose. Being involved in a high performance setup and that competitive, you know, setup. So, um, yeah, I'm thrilled to be back and privileged and honoured to be asked by Liam. And hopefully, I can I can offer something back to the group and the management team. And um, yeah, see can we get the get the show back on the road again next year? And do you know what your role will be yet? Has that kind of have you got into the nitty gritty of that? I suppose it's difficult when there's no training sessions or even conversations to be had with lads. 
Yeah, I'm just part of the management team, selector, and helping out whatever way I can, and helping out the coach, helping helping out the coach is Mikey Beavins and that. So, um, yeah, looking forward to now. It's going to be a great challenge. Yeah, obviously, it's different for me, but already you're thinking of of different things. So, um, yeah, it's a great challenge. I want to looking forward to and uh, yeah, get the club championship out of the way then and get the get the ball rolling. Well, listen, we wish you the very best of luck with it, Polly. Thanks, Melanie, for joining us. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Thanks. It's Tip Legend Polly Mara giving us his uh, five selections for you had to be there and we'll obviously do that again next week OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar